the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, throughout Southern California. Welcome to our program today. This is Mike McIntosh. I'm sitting in for the next two days. And um, we have some good guests lined up for you, but also some very important uh, things to talk about. And to start today, I'd like to talk about Afghanistan and what it means to us here in America, but also of how bad it's turning already with the uh, beheadings in some cities of Christians and the arrest of missionaries. And you can call and comment. We have some guests. Uh, the number is 866-577-2473. I think it was Billy Graham that wrote a book a number of years ago called World of Flame. And that's exactly what it seems when you pick up a newspaper today. Afghan, Haiti, our borders, lawlessness, people calling evil good and good evil. Everywhere we turn, there's a battle going for the souls of planet Earth. And we want to see the Lord do something really super to step in for us. The former head of British forces in Afghanistan said uh, yesterday that key capitals have fallen without a fight in Afghanistan because morale among Afghan forces is decimated following the American withdrawal of troops. In Afghanistan, a female reporter has sent out a message to the world to pray for her. The Taliban soldiers are going door-to-door, forcing families um, to give up people that were against them. But the ugly one is to give up their daughters, some as young as 12 years old, to be sex slaves for the fighters. And um, I've been to northern Iraq a couple of times, and I have talked to many of those women, the young girls that suffered there from ISIS. And ladies and gentlemen, our world is falling apart, and it's time that we really let our light so shine that men would see our good works and give glory to God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness. In Matthew 5, 9, the Sermon on the Mount, you remember that the Lord Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Well, I've got two sons of God online, and I'm going to leave you both nameless because of your backgrounds, but I think you have a lot to tell this audience what all of this means in Afghanistan, and feel free to use your experiences. Uh, We have two Navy SEALs, Um, One who has been in country in Afghanistan and is almost a lone survivor in some battles there, 
But gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Are you on okay? Yes, sir. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. And uh, yes, sir. Oh, so both of you are on right now, I hope? Yes, sir. Yes. All right. Yes. Now, the one of the two of you that I traveled with last summer, uh, let's start off with you. I'd like to ask you, what does this mean to America? Uh, it, I can understand what it meant a little bit politically, but when I read this leader, the director of the British forces, saying that they gave up they all the hundreds of millions of dollars, billions that we spent with their military, they actually just gave up without a fight because their morale was decimated by the Americans withdrawing our troops. Can you hit that at all? I don't want you guys to get in any trouble with anybody, but if you could just help the audience understand how serious this situation is. Yes, Pastor Mike, I believe that this is a morale blow, as you said it before. Um, you know, we have lost countless brothers out there mm. in the fight. Mm. And uh, just to see it, it's almost to a point that uh, mentally you start thinking, what is, what's, it was almost worthless for everything that, uh, the sacrifices that were paid, the ultimate sacrifices. Go ahead, number two. Yes, sir. Thanks, Mike. And it's a really interesting perspective of kind of trying to look at it from uh, a Western point of view of what's really going on over there. Yeah. The time I spent over there, Mike, was that um, it was really devastating. So I went over there as a Christ follower, as a believer. So I had a different, little bit of a different perspective. I went there with the idea that I'm an ambassador of Christ. And with that in mind, uh, I took the time to sit and listen to these folks and even fighting alongside the Afghani. So say 10 years ago, um, there was a lack of confidence even then in their fighting. Mm. And they were, they had a lot of confidence in us while we were there uh, to be able to help build them up, restore their infrastructure, build up their government and do the best we can to restore peace and security back in their country. And um, so for, for us to see this total pullout, uh, for where the progress we had made 10 years ago uh, was great progress, but to literally watch it just flip on its head and um, fall apart has been really hard. Uh, it's been really difficult. So, um, yeah, it's for us as Americans. I mean, when we're looking at it from that perspective. Right. It's that country. That country is devastated, uh, and they've been devastated for a long time. And um, I mean, we had just built a three-legged table at that point, and I think now we've just knocked the other three legs out that remained, and uh, it's just very unfortunate, yeah. You know, you bring up a really good um, point about from our Western point of view. Um, I have a friend who writes papers for you guys and, and others, and he gave me one years ago about the honor, how they have a an honor honor in their, their, uh, their culture that's uh, saving honor and face and respect. And it's something that uh, we didn't all understand, uh, that it's all a different way of thinking. But I would like to say to the audience that's listening, I hope you heard our brother's voice there who served in Afghanistan and is a U.S. Navy SEAL, that this has got so many layers to it of just you gentlemen that have served our families 
to keep us safe, mm-hmm. that you've lost friends, you've been in battle, uh, you've seen the horror of it all, and now you are you're having a post post traumatic stress added to anything else you have to deal with. Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you're going through a absolutely. whole new thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've never gotten as many phone calls as I have in the last three days. Wow. Um, checking in on me, say, hey, are you okay? Uh, how are things going with this? And, you know, and it it's very difficult to see what's happening, knowing how many friends I lost over there, how many guys I held in my arms while they took their last breath. Yeah. And it's hard for me to not say in my mind, like, oh, man, I feel like, Everything, every life that lot was lost, every every bullet that was fired over there was kind of useless. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, unfortunately, like I have the sustaining power of Christ in me in order to get me through these times. Um, but I know we have a huge demographic of military combat veterans all across our nation right now mm-hmm. who are really struggling bad. And like I'm getting the whispers of like, beware the suicide rate. I mean, even yes. at this current point in time and um i mean that really scares me to be quite honest because i think we've lost enough sons and daughters and brothers and sisters Hmm. um due to this war and even the residual effect i think that's what uh is really scary about this whole situation and um, because you're absolutely right there is a post post post-traumatic stress because of it so absolutely Uh, i'm trained in um critical incident stress management and i actually instruct several of the courses and I was able and honored a couple of times at least to be back at uh, Camp Lejeune and uh, debrief men and women that were returning from the early days of this uh, battle. And just to sit and listen, I still pray all these years later. I was at Ground Zero uh, on a special air disaster team. I was one of the first call-outs on my pager from uh, Washington, D.C. And I have a friend that... uh, is in the Marine Corps, and he was a special hit team that went in immediately within the first week into Afghanistan, and we talked afterwards, and um, he said that I felt horrible, but I knew I had to do my job. And I said, I wish you and your team could have come to Ground Zero and smelled what I smelled those weeks that I was there. And he said, we did. And when we came back, we all got in a circle again and prayed, and realize that it was righteous indignation that uh, we were exercising. It must be difficult, I would think, and, and your friend may want to talk about this a little bit, um, to be a believer and to, to carry out your order sometimes and be able to have that gift because King David was a warrior and his enemies feared him. Uh, they all knew that he wasn't afraid to take a giant on, he wouldn't be afraid to take a king on. And um, to be able to balance all that together and then to come home to your families, is that a difficult, difficult thing that the average person has no clue about? Absolutely, uh, Pastor Mike. Um, um, Unfortunately, I was not as fortunate as uh, my buddy. I was not a believer when I was over there. Hmm. And um, so... I had to deal with it uh, in in a sense of non-hope, in a sense of uh, the blessed hope that that I have now since giving my life to Christ. I know that there's, there's been things that I would have done, 
uh, differently uh, if I was a believer back then, or I would have been able to handle certain situations differently mm. with the uh, mindset and the vision that uh, my eyes are focused now on Jesus Christ in eternity, not just the temporal, which is what we live now. Mm. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host this afternoon, Mike McIntosh, and I have two of our brothers that are Navy SEALs that are trying to bring things into perspective for us. Uh, and, and maybe you could both, uh, in your experiences, explain this a little to the audience. In embassies, there are people that are uh, politicians, there are councils, there are uh, military attaches, there are CIA people, there's all sorts of people. And um, I have a friend who contacted me yesterday. His son was one of the special forces of the FBI team from the Kabul um, embassy, and they were begging for prayer back here in the States because they were trying to get home and out of Afghanistan, and they thought there'd be no problem. And as they started to go, uh, headed towards the international airport, the Taliban started attacking the airport. And this was after the president of the United States literally in one newscast begged them not to hesitate the people of America that are going to be coming out. Instead, they went against us. And um, we got texts that uh, will let you know, well, they did finally uh, get into Germany. But there are a lot of people that the average listener would not even know that are there as Americans, and now their lives, some of them are actually gone underground and their lives are in danger, or their assignment may say that they have to stay underground and be intel. Could you talk to that just a little bit, that... Sometimes you see the movies and you see the uniforms and you see the guns and the weapons, but we forget you're human beings, your friends, your sons, your daughters, your cousins, all of that. You're real. Yeah, I can uh, I can jump in on that one. So, um, what people forget is that it takes <laughs> it takes a whole army to fight a war, uh, and when, when we talk about a whole army. The, the majority of the fighting that you see on the front line is done probably by about 1% uh, of our conventional fighters. Hmm. And behind that, the other 99% are all those personnel, all those people that are there to support us, whether that's to push supplies, intel, equipment, anything we need to the front lines. There's all these people there uh, who have stacked up, and a lot of those range from uh, private civilian contractors to non-government organizations uh, to um, multi-lettered government organizations that are hmm. uh, spread all throughout the country and throughout the nation. And um, wars cannot be fought or won uh, without these critical personnel. And like you said, yeah, sometimes they kind of become that forgotten population um, within the wartime demographic. And um, they, they exist. I mean, when we talk about pulling troops out, sure, we're going to pull troops out, but we've got companies hmm. like KBR and, uh, these other companies that are sitting behind and waiting as they wait for us to leave because they still have to support even the exit of the troops. Yeah. You know, the redeployment of our troops back home. And um, so usually those are the last ones to come off the battlefield. And I don't think we realize that a lot as Americans that we've got support personnel still sitting over there waiting for their ride home. Yeah. And then this stuff kicks off and they're just caught in the middle of it. Very unfortunately. And uh, they're not quite sure what to do because initially they could run behind a bunker wall or something like that and expect the conventional forces to 
to protect them or the special operations to protect them. Uh, but those guys aren't there, not in the numbers that they're used to. So uh, they're having to take, like you said, they're having to take those drastic uh, measures just to protect themselves. And Would you you two be willing to take any telephone calls if the audience wanted to ask any questions? Yeah, I'm okay with that, brother. All right. And if you'd like to talk to one of these warriors, it's 866-577-2400. Seven three, and we have about four minutes before break. So if you'd like to call, it'd be a good time to call and uh, talk to them. And um, I know Seal One that you're married and have a wife. Same with you, Seal Two. Are you? Do you have a family? Yeah, I'm. I'm married, and we have three children. How old are your children, if you don't mind us asking? I have a 16 year old and twin 14 year olds. Oh my goodness. You've got your hands full. I do. I do. I'm blessed. <laughs> yeah, because you were 14 and 16 one time, and you remember it probably. <laughs> yeah, that's a rough time for all of us. Um, yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I'm, I appreciate both of you talking about these kind of things because most people will never meet one of you. They don't understand, like you just briefed us, on the people that are still there that are trapped. Uh, we lost in Benghazi uh, some very good people from San Diego, Navy SEALs, and their families suffer today. And um, I, I just think it's important that American public will realize that you're human and you need support. And the greatest support that we can give to you is not our tax dollars, but it's our prayers. Because our prayers go with you once you come back from the battlefield, but they're at those early morning things you have to go to or late at night, and you may be outnumbered, and the Lord will be with you because of the people praying for you. I'd like to say a prayer right now, if we could, uh, for those that are still there. Would you mind? In fact, uh, why don't you go ahead and you say the prayer, and we'll agree with the two of you. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to lift you up, our brothers and sisters that are still out there, um, that you put your hedge of protection around them, put your spiritual armor, keep them safe and bring them back home. Dear Lord, uh, we know that there's family members still paying the ultimate price for loss of loved ones, and that's a terrible thing to continue to pay. Mm-hmm. That the the loss of a loved one is not just that day, but that is almost a gift that keeps on giving, and memories and and just the void that is created. So we pray for those. And Lord, I'd like to pray for these two men, these two brothers, on behalf of. Uh, my wife and our six children and 21 grandchildren and eight grandchildren, that they were willing to lay their lives down that my large family could be safe here in Southern California. And for all those that are there, we pray that the spirit of fear uh, would not attack them. They will trust and help the chaplains that may still be there. They're huge targets for these uh, radical Muslims. And we'd like to pray for any of the civilian staff that couldn't get to the airport that may be stuck somewhere. We have no idea. Would you work miracles and send angels 
we have the reports that they're beheading Christians in one of the larger cities already, and 229 missionaries have been arrested in another one, and tomorrow they are to be beheaded. Send your angels, Lord, and bring justice and protect all these boys and girls and young women especially that they're stealing from the families. Oh, God, have mercy in Jesus' name. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break here. This is Mike McIntosh, and uh, I'm your host, and we'll be right back after this break. We thank our two brothers for joining in and educating us. This is FM 106.1. Welcome back from that break, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host today sitting in, Mike McIntosh, and I'll be with you again tomorrow at the same time. And uh, if you just tuned in, we had a wonderful 25 minutes with a couple of Navy SEALs, and they helped educate us a little bit about the situation in Afghanistan. One of them, I know for a fact, uh, was almost a lone survivor of his whole team uh, that lived in a that went to battle in a certain area of Af- Afghanistan, and I could tell by his voice there is a post-traumatic stress syndrome that is on top of the regular PTSD, and we need to remember to pray for the people that are hidden and can't get out yet. So we have a guest that will fit in for us. What do we do as Christians with all this? Now, I, for 50 years, I've been traveling around the world in war zones and places where the trouble is happening and seeing the Lord do wonderful things and uh, help people in all kinds of situations, releasing people from uh, terrorists and being hostages in different places. And I want to encourage you, this is the time that the body of Christ needs to be alive, and be on fire for the souls of the people around us, not be in a social system. And um, Dr. Tom Phillips is on the line with us right now, and we have about uh, 12, 10 minutes together, and he is going to talk to us about some points on revival. And this is what the church needs right now. I'm not sure, Tom, that all Christians understand there's any connection whatsoever with Afghanistan and us letting down other people in other countries. Uh, Could you help us a little bit about your knowledge of revival, of how God works in revival, and what are some things that we could look forward to in our participation? Well, thank you, Mike. Uh, This is a very serious time in the life of our world, not just our country. As you and I were sharing yesterday about our daughter, who was a C-17 pilot, and as she and I talked about those pilots, that crew, those people falling off of it. Yes. Uh, what an incredibly dangerous time. And as Robert Gates, the Secretary of Defense under President Obama, said, we had the deterrence in place so that this wouldn't happen. And, of course, we don't know the evil forces or the decisions inadequately made that allowed this to happen. We do know that America is the light of the world. We do know that our friends from all over the world call us and are praying for us because it is our responsibility since we know the light to walk in the light of Jesus Christ, to love others, to do the right things, 
And the Bible very clearly says righteousness exalts a nation, Hmm. but sin is a reproach to any people. And so God is saying to us, wake up, wake up, look what's happening around us. And even remember the testimony of Jesus when he entered one of the greatest trials in the history of mankind. He sat there on Gethsemane before his own death and just said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter and James and John with him, and he went up and was himself very troubled, very depressed. He prayed earnestly like sweat, drops of blood following from him. So we need to pray, number one, in earnestness. Leonard Ravenhill, the great old preacher, said, God doesn't just answer prayer. He answers desperate prayer. And our nation is desperate. Our world is desperate. And you asked me a list of a few things to do to believe God for revival, the great revivalist. Charles Finney had seven indicators to know when a movement of God is coming. So I'll I'll get them quickly out. Number one, when the sovereignty of God indicates that revival is near. Two meanings. One, when you see great things happening, we're in the greatest prayer movement in the history of the world. Number two, whenever we see so much evil that it's beyond us. So we Mm. pray, God, please move. Second indicator, when wickedness grieves and humbles Christians. And if we're not grieved and humbled over 60 million babies being aborted in our own country, if we're not grieved over Afghanistan, Mm. we're a cold-hearted people. Mm. And God is saying, let my love flow through you. Look in the mirror. And don't just pray about other people's wickedness. Pray about your own. Number three, when there's a spirit of prayer for God to move. And Mm. that is occurring, Mike. I see it. And I run into people all the time, all around the world, praying for God to move. Number four, when the attention of ministers, pastors, is directed toward spiritual awakening, God's movement, God's revival. And you you and I both know that 20 years ago, we hardly saw anybody speaking or preaching on revival. And today, everybody's crying out to God, but we maybe aren't broken enough yet. However, Mm. the brokenness is certainly coming. Number five. When Christians confess their sins one to another, and that's the transparency we have to have as Americans. We have blown it, and yet we're, we are very strong in many ways. But when we turned our back on God, it's hard for God to help us. Number six, when the Christians are willing to make the sacrifices necessary to carry out this new movement of God's Spirit, are we willing, like Billy Graham said years ago, God, do with me as you will. I'll be what you want me to be. Say what you want me to say. Go where you want me to go. Are we willing? Are we willing to be that man, that woman, that young person for God? Number seven, when the ministers and laity, all of us, are willing for God to promote spiritual awakening by whatever means he pleases. And let me just finish by saying in the book of Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, mm. prepare the way of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough way smooth. God only knows how badly our nation needs the straightening and the smoothing of God. Then all flesh will see the salvation of God. So we need the fifth great awakening. The first was in the early 1700s. Indifference was the problem. The second great awakening was infidelity and skepticism, the early portion of our nation. The third we talked about yesterday, the great prayer revival of 1857. The fourth was actually the one you were involved in, Mike, the Jesus movement. And the fifth 
right now is a rebellion against God and an attack on Christianity. And it's even in our political parties today. Yes. So we need to go to our knees and cry out to God and repent. And that doesn't mean just turn from sin. It means turn to Jesus. Hmm. I thank you for that, Tom. Uh, Charles Finney, when he got married, he had a speaking engagement. I think you know this part of his testimony. He told his new bride he'll be right back after this speaking engagement. It was a couple days on a horse he had to ride. And uh, he got back six months later because everywhere he stopped to get something to drink or to eat, a revival was breaking out in those little villages, and he just stayed and stayed and stayed. And I I think I picked up on this. You're saying here we are since the Jesus movement, and we're a little behind times for a revival. And this is a good time for a revival. That's what you're saying, aren't you? If God's people will respond. That's exactly right. Would you pray for Bible? Sure, let me pray that in. Pray that right now. Yes. Oh, Lord, we pray this word from your word. Revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Lord, we, we pray your word. Revive your people that they may rejoice in you. And, Father, we know that when your people, your church, your kids are renewed in you, then the reformation of sinners, even those Taliban, could follow. Everyone needs to see Jesus lived out. May we be those people. Yes. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. And please protect the innocent ones that don't know you yet. And uh, give us a, a break. Just give us a break that we could just repent. You'd move on all of our hearts that we could just repent and humble ourselves. And you would, we're not asking that you'd make us a great nation again and prosperous. We're just asking that you'll make us a, a great people that belong to you. And Amen. we'll follow your plan in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Tom. And we look forward to having you back tomorrow afternoon. Thank you, Mike. Love you, brother. Love you, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Dr. Tom Phillips uh, has been with the Billy Graham team since 1974. He's studied uh, while he is working full-time and raising a beautiful family and traveling all over the world to set up crusades and was responsible for the crusades for many, many years. And uh, when we first met, I was in a revival here in San Diego uh, when I drove 200 miles every Monday for 10 people, and a year later there was 1,000 people, and it kept growing and growing. I know it can happen, but it's going to take a lot of pride to be broken I know that during that time, the U.S. Navy had a revival, and the Navy SEALs, and the Navy SEALs are still turning to Jesus. We're so grateful you're listening. We're going to go to a break and be right back. This is Mike McIntosh, your host, and we'll be next with Barry Stagner and the news of the world face-to-face with the Bible. A soul on fire, that's what the Lord's looking for. If you missed our guests that were earlier, we had two Navy SEALs. Um, There have been, all of my years in San Diego, uh, a huge number of uh, Navy personnel and Navy SEALs that have given their hearts to the Lord. 
and their families. It's just an honor to know them. But one of our guests, and their names are kept back, uh, was almost a lone survivor, uh, like uh, Mark Wahlberg in the movie. That was a true story. And uh, the one that was here on the radio with us uh, was almost a lone survivor out of all the people that were his friends that died. And they tried to bring us up to date of what's going on about Afghanistan and how can we pray and what should we pray for. And I noticed because I... Uh, I do debriefings with law enforcement involved in critical instances and military uh, around the country, and um, I get to debrief them when they come back from Iraq. And I understand I could hear in his voice, he's really hurt by this because of all the people he held in his arms, he said, that died over there trying to help those people. And I recognize he had PTSD on PTSD. We need to pray for those that are still there. Um, I've been getting messages ever since the program yesterday from friends around the world and uh, in uh, Afghanistan. One I'd like to tell you about, there are people that uh, are trapped, and we talked about this uh, earlier, and they wouldn't be known because they have disguises. They, they, They don't look like who you'd think they would look like, and they didn't make it to the airport. And um, there are people now that are telling us that in the largest town in, um, uh, where is it, Afghanistan called uh, QU something or other. I'm sorry I don't have it right in front of me. But um, it's the largest group of Christians in the area. And we are told that they are now beheading Christians in that town. We have another message from a very valuable source and good friend. 229 missionaries have been arrested, and they are slated to have their heads taken off tomorrow as their judgment for being there. Now, I know we're all busy. I know that you all are cool people. I know that we just would like to find some peace and some rest, but this is real. Because I've been to the countries, I've talked to survivors, I understand this is coming to our country is the goal, but God is being turned away from our country. And the atheists of America are now the number one religion. And I'd like to just ask you if you could just stop for a moment from your busyness and your heartache and all that you're doing. God made you for this hour. God has gifted you. When he spoke to Jeremiah as a teenager, he said, I can't speak, I'm just a youth. And God said, don't tell me you can't speak because before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet. And he isn't talking about karma. He's not talking about, oh, I knew you in another life. He's talking about he sat down and thought about him before he created him. You may not feel special, but I feel special because I should have died many, many times with the horrible person I was before I met the Lord. And serving him in dangerous places, I should have died many times also. Do you realize you're living in the most exciting time? The evacuation of planet Earth is about ready to take place in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. We don't know the day nor the hour, 
but we know the signs of the times. And in our 3 o'clock segment, we have Pastor Barry Stagner is going to bring us up to date on some of those things that show us Jesus is ready to come. I'd like to just throw out a line to you. If your Christianity is kind of blah, or you've walked away from God, or you're unhappy and you're miserable, or maybe you're going someplace where you don't get fed the Word of God, you're not challenged to pray and repent. You don't really care about other people and their problems. you got to ask yourself if you're truly a Christian. We are to follow Jesus, and he leads us to heaven, but there is no shortcut around the cross. You and I have to go to the cross. I think as a Christian, maybe two years, a year and a half, something like that, and I was reading Galatians for my first or second time, and I read that uh, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the faith, the life that I now live in the flesh is with my faith in the Son of God. You see, I realized at that moment it changed me and helped me be a more mature Christian. Those were not just how-to verses. Those were not just, this is part of religion. He actually went to the cross in a spiritual sense and died to self. And that's how he got the power from the Holy Ghost to do what he did and then to die himself for the gospel. We have to deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily and follow after Jesus. And Jesus said this, and it struck my heart many years ago. If you truly are my disciple, I lived for self. I was nobody's disciple. And he said, if you're truly my disciple, and I thought I was, he said, continue in my word. This is why I have problems of feeling sorry for people that go to churches where they don't challenge you with the word of God. They don't have to be a loud preacher to challenge you. I walk away on Sunday mornings, sitting and listening to my son preach. I go with one to two pages of notes. I go with my heart to hear the Lord. And when you have the Word of God spoken to you and you hear it and you realize it's real and He loves you, there isn't anything you won't do for Him. Because there is so much I did for myself all my life to now meet Him and have Him save me from self-destruction, let alone deserve destruction. There's nothing I could ever do. Unfortunately, I have a wife that loves me and that she saw the change in my life, that she accepted Jesus, and she knows that we are called as a team. Our children know it. All of our extended family knows it. And we are witnesses as Christians. You know that. But are we a good witness? Are we a bad witness? I want to encourage you. It is so important. We have brothers and sisters dying for their faith all over the globe, but especially in Afghanistan because our troops are not there to protect them. And this won't stop. I debriefed and talked to many, many people who were in Christian villages in northern Iraq, and the men were facing their girls and their wives and their grandmothers, all the men, the uncles, cousins, brothers, all of them, grandpas, daddies, their backs were facing a pit. Their hands were tied behind their back. 
and they would not deny Jesus, nor would their daughters or their sisters or their aunts or their grandmas. And they raped every woman in front of the men of that village and then beheaded the men into the pit behind them. I talked to people who have survived that. I tried to help them understand we have it too easy in America, and especially Southern California. It's time to stand up and be counted. God is calling on you to draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. So we'll have a break, and then our good friend, Pastor Barry Stagner, will join us at the top of the hour, and we'll listen to some prophecies from the Bible and the news that backs up that is happening right now. So thank you for listening. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Mike McIntosh, your host for today and tomorrow. And I want to thank you for being here with us and all of you that are praying. God bless you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.